Well, hello, Moshi. And welcome to another episode of From, From the, the Lower, Lower Level. Level. Okay, that almost worked this time. Oh my God. Um, how has your week been? Good. I've been practicing the end opening like all week. I could tell. I could <laughs> tell. Uh, for those of you who might be new here, I'm Moshi. And I'm Patrizio. And um, if you're going to take a shot at me, definitely don't do it in your tagline. (laughs) (laughs) Well said. Well said. Um, I can already feel Carrie shaking in her boots with that one. Thank you. This week, we're going to be talking about Real Housewives of Atlanta because let's face it, it's starting to get juicy. We're going to talk about Real Housewives of Dallas. And can you believe this? But we're going to talk about the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City finale. Oh my god, 13 episodes, that must be, we're on like episode 13 or something, I don't know. Yeah, it's episode 13, but it felt like episode 50. We went on a journey, but obviously we will discuss, we will discuss. Um, Before we get into that, what's going on in Housewives News? Oh my god, so I mean, I'm a huge fan, Real Housewives of Miami. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this, but apparently they are like deep into casting at the moment. They are looking for a very diverse cast, apparently. I am excited. I can't believe this is happening. It's been like seven years, eight years since like the final season aired. Uh, Just, I, I can't believe it. And I won't believe it until it's actually on my streaming service (laughs) (laughs) i agree with you i 100 percent won't believe it until i see it but i think i remember one of the first things that you and i bonded over was the real housewives of miami and i made you watch it yeah (laughs) you told me they were all prostitutes (laughs) (laughs) i didn't say that i mean but aren't they is there a lie well maybe hoana Sorry, that's just me saying her name in Spanish. (laughs) I think The Real Housewives of Miami was amazing. I know that if they are doing this reboot, what who I want to see is Adriana because she is the moment. She was that show. And I need to see Leah Black. Uh, Yeah, you know, I did see someone comment uh, on, I think it was Twitter this week. Um, The fact that, like, they're like, yeah, you know who I don't think about? Lisa Hochstein. Who? No. I loved her, though. She actually had a great storyline, Married to the Plastic Surgeon. And it's kind of interesting because we've seen, I think, other people have her exact same storyline since then. And I loved her and her husband. They were funny. They were Heather Debro and her husband before they were even that. And now they have, like, three children and she still looks plastic fantastic and they're still together. Like, I love them. You know who else is angling to be back on the show? Larsa Pippen. Yeah, I mean. Why though? If you don't know who Larsa Pippen is, she's definitely somebody that lives in the reality universe because she's an OG of Real Housewives of Miami. She was only on one season. She was a friend of in the Kardashians. She's no longer a friend of because of Kardashian drama. Um, But she's, yeah, she's a very interesting woman she's also Scotty Pippen legendary uh Chicago Bulls basketball player his former wife um but I I can oh and you know what she was also on an episode of Selling Sunset um which is you know obviously in the reality zeitgeist as well so I mean she gets around oh I'm sure she said that before um 
that same Twitter thread though, and I want to get back as well and talk about the diversity hiring of all diversity casting of Real Housewives of Miami. But in that same Twitter thread, the Andy Cohen, somebody mentioned, I think something, or maybe it was a different Twitter thread, but somebody said something about like, it was Evan Cass, Cats, uh, Evan Ross Katz said that the Real Housewives of the OC needs to go, which I think we've been saying every week. We don't even discuss it fully on this podcast. And Andy said, it's not going to go, but it's time for a reboot. What does that mean? You know what it should mean? Boot it off the fucking air. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's a weird one. I'm always so, it's always so weird when I talk to other Housewives fans and they are so invested in the OC and I get it. It's the original OC. For whatever reason, some people believe it put the Real House franchises on the map. I completely disagree with that. Um, does it have some iconic Housewives characters and women? Yes. But when it comes, and, and I know like Housewives are not saints. These are not women to aspire to be. But when I think of like the lowest of the lowest types of people out there, most of them have been on that specific franchise. Yeah, you know what? I I I agree with you and what you're saying. I think like the OC housewife is perhaps the quintessential housewife. Mm-hmm. You know, like the New York housewives, they're definitely not like your like what you traditionally think of a housewife. And yeah, there's obviously a huge market for the OC crowd. I am not here for it. I think like give me something new. I mean, the Miami reboot. I'd be more interested in that. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. Um, well, moving up the coast, I don't know if you saw this, Moshi, but the Beverly Hills housewives are on their cast trip at the moment. Yeah, I just saw so, them on a beach having a picnic. Is that well, a cast trip? <laughs> I mean, well, you got to do what you got to do in the restrictions. But you know who you didn't see there? Sutton and Garcelle. Because there's a pandemic. Well, I, I saw Sutton broke her leg, but I don't uh-huh. know, Garcelle, apparently Garcelle is in San Diego right now, but I think she's filming, uh, like a TV show or movie or something. And that's why she's not going. I don't, I want, yeah. I want to know more. I want to know if Garcelle has a diamond. I want to know if Sutton has a diamond. So can we be really honest and just talk about the fact that Garcelle is using Beverly Hills Housewives as a vehicle to relaunch her career and I'm not mad at it. Well, but that's what they all do. Like, that's what you should be doing. Yes. Skinny girl. Can I say that again? Skinny girl brand. One more Wouldn't... time. Skinny girl brand. Do you think you. we'll get free stuff from Bethany now? No, I just wanted it for the people in the back who might not have heard. Oh, okay. Sorry. Skinny girl brand. I mean, but anybody who has a business or wants to launch a business and you get on Housewives, go for it. Go for it. Relaunch yourself. Reignite your career. Look at what it's done for Rinna. I know. She's got her her makeup brand now. But Rinna is a brand all her own. She's like, you know, this internet mum. Like, she's a matriarch of the internet. People love her. Yolanda could never. No, but Yolanda never had to because she has Gigi and Bella and Anwan. She just breeds gold. Yolanda doesn't need Yolanda doesn't need to do shit. She's done it. 
I will not have you say a bad word against Yolanda because I adore her. Okay, well, on that note, moving right along then to somebody else that you love, um, Danielle Storb from New Jersey Housewives. I don't know if you copped this this week, but um, I saw this on Instagram, JoeGun90, I want to say it is. he posted so Bravo TV posted on their Instagram a throwback from that scene where Danielle gets stood up at a bar on a date and she like calls a guy <laughs> and like leaves that really abusive message. Yeah. So then like they wrote like they posted the photo and then they wrote like stand up like Danielle Storm and like you'll see what happens like 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 some something along those lines and then Danielle like addressed it in her podcast and like stood up during her like recording the podcast and was like now what bravo what are you gonna do what are you gonna do bravo as somebody who (laughs) is doing a rewatch of the real housewives of new jersey i've just entered season two territory and i think i forgot i forgot what a divisive character um danielle starb is and you know, I think I, I think we've spoken about this. Like, I've also done the Real Housewives of New York rewatch, and, and I'm slowly going back and rewatching a lot of these shows because I watched them when I was in my twenties, and I'm now in my mid thirties, heading towards, you know, being senile basically at this point. Um, but rewatching those, rewatching these women with a little bit more maturity and a little bit more understanding of a lot of the things that they're going through. And having a bit more 2020 hindsight, because obviously I, I also know the future. There is some horrible, problematic shit that these women did to Danielle. In that first season, they ga- I messaged you this the other day. They gaslit the fuck out of her. And what Danielle didn't do well was she didn't like back herself I think in a really smart way instead in season two she decides to kind of come after them and it completely backfires for her because you can't fuck with a family you know what I mean at that point the the family you're fucking with me exactly exactly but at that point she was trying to mess with Caroline Manzo's people like and I'm a little bit Caroline Manzo so I get it like she was never going to win but it's really funny because when you watch the reunion of New Jersey for season one, Danielle then tells this story like he was actually there. He didn't stand her up. He just didn't want to be on the cameras and all that sort of stuff. And I'm just like, ugh, ugh. But um, I actually found, like, obviously in the rewatch, I was actually really interested to see what had happened to Danielle's children because her daughters are amazing. Like her daughter, Christine, so mature, so smart just well just an amazing woman so she didn't continue with the modeling and I have no idea what she's up to now but she's just literally living her best life and then the other daughter is like has this really great Instagram where she bakes things and like it's really wholesome and it's beautiful and I'm so glad that her kids have like turned out okay yeah especially after the table flip moment because Danielle didn't send her her children away. No, she like didn't. The other women did. No, she didn't. I think you know what the problem is with Danielle is that she was fame hungry. I think it's that simple. You know, she she suffered from the same disease that cost Leanne Dallas. There are certain 
housewives who are doing it for the fame, in the words of one Lady Gaga, and it totally backfires on them. And I think, you know, somebody else who I wouldn't say is doing it for the fame, but is is had a a similar trajectory and a similar fall from grace is Jen Shah, who oh we will God. discuss later on. Mention it all. I just um, did. Wow. Well, we will get into that a little bit later on. I just want to round out these headlines with uh, Real Housewives of Durban. You know, I love yes. South African women. The next uh, South African franchise, like, uh, no one asked for it, but, like, that's what we got. But I think we did. Did we not ask for it? Well, I don't know. Wait, I still, I mean, the Johannesburg women, like, they have, a, like, a very oh. dear place in my heart. But uh, the trailer dropped, and apparently the first episode as well, now, what are your first impressions of watching the trailer? I will start by saying, <laughs> loved all the women, but why was the like taglines so slow? I, that was like the, the taglines w- are always weird. But the whole thing the- just went for like ten minutes. I was like, oh, gotta move through. They want you to faster. really. They want you to really feel them. Well, I was really feeling La Conco. I feel like she has great energy. I love her smile. I just feel like she's going to be a lot of fun this season. And she's like the final one they introduced. And I feel like that always means something as well. Well, I was doing a little bit of research. And on the initial kind of promo for Durban, she's actually not included as a housewife. So I have a feeling she was a late addition. Oh, we love an underdog. Yeah. Um, my favorite is Nonku, and I'm also obviously a really huge fan of Komoto because I know you won't be able to say her name, and I will. <laughs> and I think I messaged you and I said, she's probably related to me. <laughs> I also like Nonku. There was something about her tagline I really enjoyed. Yes, but it was for me when I look at her images, her wigs match her outfit. You know, that's the level, oh, that's yes. what we're talking about here. Yeah. Like, She's giving you fashion. Yeah, I think that was the thing I liked about it. She had some really, like, interesting high heels on for the, yeah. the, the intro. I think I just want to do a really quick um, kind of shout-out or, like, a bit of advice because, obviously, our podcast is very US-centric and I guess the way people talk about housewives in the zeitgeist on social media is very US-centric because that's where it started. But there are some amazing global franchises. And I know we've spoken about them, like, in earlier episodes. Um, Obviously, we are really biased, but it goes without saying The Real Housewives of Melbourne is probably the number one non-US franchise. Uh, It's iconic for multiple reasons. I think it has just a really good mix of women. Yeah. Um, Well cast. It's been well cast. Um. Yes. I, I, I mean, I love Joe Berg. Yeah. I mean, season one was a bit of a, like, a bit of a mess. But mess. season two definitely improves. Can't wait for season three. I'm sure that'll come at some point. Yeah, 100%. Um, And I think, like, we've spoken about Cheshire right at the beginning. It's been running for, what, 13 seasons now. They do, they do about two seasons a year, though. So <laughs> it's also, I think, classic viewing, worth a watch. Do you have any others that you would recommend? You know, uh, Real Housewives 
of Vancouver. I think it's interesting. Yeah, I think that was worth a watch. I never watched Toronto. Don't. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Auckland. Oh, another interesting one. But like that one, like there's a reason why it didn't get a second season. <laughs> Same to be said about Sydney. Like Sydney was just like. There was too many people did research on what a housewife show should be. I don't think that was. Oh, hundred percent. They they came in, they came in guns guns blazing. But I actually think that like, although it was a one season wonder, Real Housewives of Sydney is also like just something you should find and you should watch. It's worth it. If you so if you're <laughs> locked in at home, you can't leave your house. You know, it's maybe where you are. It's snowing. It's cold. And you have access to a streaming service that has all of these housewives shows. We've got you covered. Real Housewives of Melbourne, Real Housewives of Sydney, Real Housewives of Johannesburg, Real Housewives of Cheshire. That's it. That's it. You're good. You're done. That's all you need. That's all you need. Well, Moshi, let's get into this week's episodes. Uh, We're going to start off with Atlanta, episode number eight. Eight. <sighs> We're back. It's happening. The excitement yeah. is finally happening. Finally, some movement, and it's thanks to the cast trip. Um, which I mean, this episode, like, it's half of the half the episode they're in the van the entire time. But <laughs> <laughs> I, um... but I think we need to sort of mention the thing that makes Atlanta magic is whenever they are all together so being trapped on a bus with not just the six peach holders but we've got marlo we've got tanya like having we've got shamia like having all the extra accoutrements on the bus gold yeah so and uh, just on that point this week we also got a few like friend confessionals mm-hmm. from like shamia and i think latoya made a brief appearance in one as well yes um unnecessary but, like, okay, I'm here for it. <laughs> Do you mean if you were a friend of, you wouldn't want your own confessional? At, at least one? I feel like being a friend of, uh, like, I think Marlo is, like, a really good example of it. Like, you get to just do what you want. And I think part of it would be, like, you don't have to sit in those confessionals. I feel like filming those confessionals, they would be really long. You have to sit in that chair the whole time. They ask you really hard questions. As a friend of, I would just want to go in, like, fuck shit up and then, like, have no responsibility to, like, do anything else. But I think you can still do that in the confessionals. I think the confessionals allow you to fuck shit up harder. And we've seen Marlo do it time and time again. The best shade comes in the confessionals because they've had time to think about it. They've had time to write things down. So I want a confessional. Well, I, I think as a friend of, if I was to be a friend of, I like that. Which okay. you would never. You would obviously be holding whatever it is for wherever whatever you Whatever I don't. Yeah. Um, this episode really solidifies the aunties versus the nieces. <laughs> uh, which we kind of already started to see like last episode, the one before, um, but there's definitely a bit of a divide in the group and it is like kind of related on age. We have sort of like this, like Cynthia, Candy, Kenya 
group. And then we have the sort of like the young and fun, like Portia. I guess Drew is in that group mm-hmm. as well. Who else? I mean, there are five page holders, so I care about anyone. Well, I think like Marlo is in that group, Tanya's in that group, Shamir's in that group. Like it's just basically everybody else. I think for me though, it's it's not really just about age. For me, it's basically the only people who are friends with Kenya and then everybody else who is not friends with Kenya. That's kind of how I look at it. Is Candy friends with Kenya? She is. And and the thing is, what Candy, the reason why Candy sticks with Kenya is because she knows. Like Kenya, she doesn't want Kenya to be isolated and she knows that she can still go in and out of the groups. But, you know, Kenya needs people there. I also think Candy sees herself as kind of somebody who can check. She can check Kenya and Kenya will accept it because I do think that we do see that there are certain people that that Kenya is willing to never fall out with, right? And I think Candy is one of them and Cynthia is the other. And that kind of means that they get to be the, the angels on her devil's shoulder. They get to, like, help her sometimes not cross the line. And I do think that that's kind of, to me, what the aunties versus niece divide was. It was, like, people who can keep Kenya in check, you know, Toya, Latoya, Candy, Cynthia, and then everybody else who just doesn't have time for it. I think they have a surface level friendship. I think there's no, I think Candy genuinely likes Kenya. I don't think Candy mm. wastes her time on, on surface level. I don't think that, well, no, I don't, th- I don't think that's what Candy does. Okay, fair enough. Um, so I don't know what she would like this. I feel like this was a bit of a nothing episode, but there are a few things I want to unpack. I guess, first of all, the fact that we do have a bus versus a private jet. Uh-huh. Um, and I think one of the really interesting things that came out of this was the discussion around Kenya and her choice in taking a private jet and having to bring her baby and bring a nanny to look after the baby as well. And it's this idea that Kenya doesn't have a village and because it takes a village to raise a child and, you know, like, because we in, in the bus, the women find out that Kenya has taken a private jet and she's bringing her child along with her as well. And there are other women who are in the same circumstance, like Candy, Candy who has like a young child um, Portia, obviously, as well. So there are other women who are on this trip who are who didn't know it was a possibility that they could bring their child. Um, but as Candy sort of like points out, it's that they have support systems. Like Portia, for example, she's got her mum. She's got Lauren. Like she's even she got has, Dennis. Yeah, she's got Dennis. Like Dennis is actually looking after PJ for like a couple of days. So like they have the village to help raise their children. And Kenya does not. Kenya does not have a support system. She doesn't have very many friends or close friends. Her family, you know, unit is definitely not where she would probably want it to be. And I thought it was really sad. And I was like, yeah, like I just, uh, it was just like this moment for me where I was like, wow, like I didn't ever think of it that way. It's very true. Um, that Kenya really doesn't have P 
people that she can trust and lean on and that's why she has to bring her kid. Do you know that the first notes that I have on my personal notes about this episode are literally Kenya doesn't have a village. And that, that's like, that stood out. I'm in the exact same boat with you. For me, it wasn't that it was something that I hadn't seen before. Like before, I think I looked at it and I thought to myself, well, a lot of it is her own doing. And and I mean, we do know that she was like, she she doesn't have, she's never had a strong family unit but I mean just going back to why I think Candy sticks with Kenya I think Candy was the one who defended Kenya you mentioned in the bus and was the one that called out that that Kenya doesn't have a village and I do think that is why Candy was with the aunties I do think that is why Candy will always lend herself to Kenya because Candy was a single mother at one point but we know that Candy was never alone. She had OLG. She had the old lady gang mm. from day dot. She had her mother and all her aunties, you know. So I, I do think that um, Candy is genuinely friends with her. And I do think that she wants to to be some sort of support system for her. And that was actually heartbreaking to see Kenya go through that. Um, but at the same time... I mean, this whole trip is meant to be something that Kenya planned and I think she shows herself as well to be just a shit host. She kept these girls hungry, Patrizio. You can That is unexcusable. You cannot keep the real housewives of Atlanta hungry. If there is one franchise that you cannot keep hungry, it is this franchise. And they they will tell you. Yes, I totally agree with you. I thought her hosting was subpar. I definitely agree with one of the women who said that it felt like they were just crushing Kenya and Latoya's trip mm-hmm. rather than it being a group vacation. <sighs> Yet the food was just, there's no excuse. There is just no excuse. And saying that this food in the fridge is just not the same. Like, why not hire a chef? Like you got well, the, she, the thing is that she did, and she hired the chef, and the chef was busy preparing the hog. But the thing is that she didn't have any other food waiting to go, and she didn't have anything vegan for um, Portia, which is fine. I kind of get that. But I think for me, the thing is, Kenya is so determined to push these women away. Like, this could have been a real op- – so, like, to turn it around, this whole thing of her – um, bringing her daughter and not having the village. And then I guess Marlo kind of calls it out as well. She gave Marlo the shit room out of spite, right? She gave Marlo that room with basically no windows or whatever to kind of punish her, to make her seem like she's not, she doesn't care about her. And it's like what we, I think we, what we kind of would like from Kenya. And I think this is, uh, it's just, I guess, something of her personality is that she, if she wanted to, she could have had these girls eating out of the palm of her hand. She could have turned this into a real bonding sister experience. She could have been a bit more vulnerable and said, you know, well, I'm sorry that I didn't um, tell you to bring your daughters. My situation is I really just have no one who can help me. So I had to do this. And instead she just kind of kept pushing the girls further and further away. And she was disengaging, so to speak. And when she ordered her own Uber Eats and, like, ate it in front of them while they were, like, eating, like, dips and vegetables, (laughs) like, 
that was not the way. Like, what what is it, do you think, that is stopping Kenya from, like, being the leader and finding a way to bring the girls in? Because even Nini, whenever she'd been mean to everyone, she would still find a way to kind of bring the girls back on her side. I think Kenya's just one of those people that's like, oh, there's no lunch yeah but tonight the dinner is going to be really amazing and I organized that I think she's just like one of those people that's just like yeah that's all shit but I did this really nice thing like I booked the house I booked the barbecue like I booked you your sprinter like she she like does some things and to her that's like the standout like she filled the fridge full of food like that's what she did if you don't like it, if you didn't want to cook anything that's in there, that's on you. But she filled that fridge. Yeah. But I think it's just like a mentality thing for Kenya. Like she thinks that she has gone above and beyond. But, like, you know, when it comes down to it, it's just not to standard. No. I think the interesting thing is as well, though, is that she can see in other people, though, when they haven't met the mark like and I think that's the thing that is kind of annoying like if somebody else had planned this trip and done all the things that Kenya is doing she would have been furious and she would have made such a big deal out of it you know what I mean and I think that's the thing that's like a little bit frustrating but I mean it seems to me that she can still recognize when things could possibly go left because when Latoya brought that wig she was like telling Latoya not to give um, Drew that wig. She was, like, saying, don't do it, don't do it, you know. So it's a weird one for me with Kenya. Yeah. Uh, so just to extend on this, and you did mention Marlo before as well, and this was, like, one of my favourite parts of the episode was Marlo finally sort of mm-hmm. says, like, I want to – make it right with Kenya like I don't understand why we're here Mm -hmm. I don't understand how it's gone on for so long like I just like I want to repair the relationship and Marlo was just so vulnerable and like you could see that she was genuine and I was just like living for it because I was just like you know yeah they don't get along they've said a lot of crappy things about each other um, you know, whether who, who instigated or whatever doesn't matter. But, like, that, the fact that Marlo was just, like, you know, she, I think she, it was, like, that guilt of, like, being given the bad room. And I think there's sort of, like, she understood that she was given that room for a reason. Yep. And I think there was a bit of an acknowledgement, perhaps, on Marlo's behalf that she understood why like, that was the case. But she genuinely wanted to solve the problems. And when it gets brought up at the table Kenya just like completely dismisses it right and unfortunately Marlo also doesn't take well to that and kind of like starts to do a bit of tit for tat as well which I was like (laughs) (laughs) well that's classic I think but I, I do think that Kenya knows that that's the reaction that she's going to get out of Marlo I think like okay I'll put it this way with Kenya and Marlo I think that Kenya wants to be the one who writes whatever the narrative is of their story. So Marlo being the the one who's willing to go high here and be a bit vulnerable and try to repair this friendship, that's not the narrative 
that Kenya had in her mind because now it's going to make Kenya look like the villain. So what did she do? She went where she knew that she could make Marlo snap back and be a bit bitchy, right? And and then when it feels right for her, then she'll come out on top and try to change that relationship. Like, I mean, this she's skilled, this woman. She knows what she's doing. Yeah. and But the thing is, I don't think that Kenya will ever want to repair or, you know, make good on the relationship that she has with Marlo. Because the fact is, Marlo did make some, like, you know, pretty snide comments about Kenya's mother. And I just don't think that Kenya could ever forgive that. So I don't think we're ever going to see. If if you're, what you're saying is true, that we're never going to see any kind of, you know, like not even just like friends, just, you know, just being able to be civil with one another because they really struggle with that sometimes. Um, I also think, though, that the dynamic of Marlo versus Kenya is great television. Do we want to see them suddenly being bosom buddies? No, like Kenya works better when she has a mortal nemesis or an enemy. That's when like her best jabs and stuff comes out. It's when she does her best TV. Because I mean, look at her and Portia. They started last season potentially being friends. And, you know, it's completely gone the other way. And they know that they need a storyline on this show. So sometimes being at war with each other means that they're going to get more screen time. That's dollars. That's, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Yeah, but give me fun shade between the two of them, I guess. Yeah, don't like, I don't like the nastiness. I'm with you. I don't like the nastiness. And, I mean, I hope you don't mind, but I want to go back to the wig. But, you know, Latoya threw big shade about Dre's uh, Drew's COVID wig and Drew heard about it and they had their little tit for tat and then Latoya brought this whole other wig uh, to the trip and that was like shady as fuck but Drew was like the way Drew handled that what a professional oh my god (laughs) like the fact that, like, LaToya brought this wig and showed it to everyone and started brushing it by the pool, I was like, girl, you are asking for trouble. Asking. And then when she was, like, going up to find Drew, I was like, oh, my God. But what I thought was really interesting was that, like, at the dinner table, LaToya doesn't reveal that she has the wig. She just tells Drew that she wants to go buy a wig for her. Yep. And I was like, but the wig is in your room. <laughs> <laughs> um, which I was like, okay, clearly someone's had a conversation with her, perhaps Kenya. Who they were all telling her not like, to do it. Yeah, like the do this instead or whatever. When Drew, and because I, I, this is what I loved about Drew. Like she knew this was coming. Mm-hmm. Like she knew it. She, someone had given her the heads up that the wig was in the house. That's what I think. Someone told her about the wig. I wouldn't be surprised. When she went to say she had got something for Latoya, I was like, what is it? Is it a gun? Is it a wig? What's it going to be? <laughs> Shoot her. Not a gun. And it was like a piece of paper. I'm like, oh my God, it's a cease and desist. <laughs> Your favorite type of piece of paper. Like, that's the only one I want to be presented with. But when she pulls out the headshot and, and signs it, her, auto, no, she didn't sign it. She autographed, she autographed it. it. 
to her biggest fan because Latoya just won't shut up about Drew. I was like, this is epic. Like, I don't think we, sometimes we watch these moments on these shows and I don't think we understand, like, the cultural significance of some of these moments. And being given someone's headshot, autographed, it was a moment. It was iconic. You are absolutely right. Like, this is the shit that goes in the Bravo Museum. Like, I think it goes without saying that in the last two episodes, Drew has cemented herself as a housewife. She's done it. She is in. I am happy for her to be here now. But just the way that she handled that, like, no one would ever dare. And the thing is, what I love is that she knew LaToya could take it. She knew that LaToya is somebody who you can have fun with like this. And LaToya fucking loved it and was like, okay. But it was, it was, I don't know. I'm with you. I was just like, I, I watched Drew do that. And I was like, sis, this is it. You're it now. They cannot come yeah. for you. It has been a slow burn. I think with Drew, mm-hmm. she has been on Amber Alert, missing in action <laughs> for like Amber several Alert. weeks now. <laughs> but yeah, she's arrived. She's arrived. She has arrived. The red carpet is has been given to her. She has arrived. She has made. She's she's done it. Like this is it. Like uh, yeah, I just I don't think we've had any moments that are this iconic, aside maybe from like hospital smell in like such a long long time. Yeah, she's so getting a contract for next season. <laughs> oh yeah, hundred percent. Um, you know, I think it's worth mentioning the murder mystery party. Oh, what I mean, I just want to briefly talk about the fact that Kenya knew that perhaps having police come into the house to try and attack these women, um, in the guise of like Black Lives Matter probably wasn't a great idea. The the way Portia jumped behind the that couch. couch. Oh my God. She saw the police and she like went up into the air and just was behind that couch. I've got that in my notes because I died. I mean, we laugh, but like <laughs> it's not great. But yes, I feel like it was one of those blink and you miss it moments. Oh, but the it was way so good. Um, can I just say though that you messaged me about that murder mystery and I just set you back. I think you mean that murder mess. That murder mystery, I've done murder mysteries before, and you know that because you've done them with me. And that murder mystery situation was a mess, a murder mystery, if we will, okay? <laughs> well, I mean, look, the, the car took, like, three hours longer than it was meant to. The women, I think, were already, like, There was only two people drunk. playing. There was two people playing. It was Tanya and it was Candy. They were the only people playing. <laughs> And then the way that Latoya was just like, it was me. <laughs> no, it and wasn't then, even her. <laughs> the organizers like, oh, like maybe it's not you. Actually, it wasn't you, but she just wanted the game to end so badly. Because do you know what I think Latoya did see in this? Like, I think she saw herself being lumped in with the aunties, and then she saw how much more fun the nieces were because her and um. Portia 
were just twerking away. Like they were literally just twerking while yeah. people were playing the murder mystery game. And all the toy wanted to do was twerk with <laughs> twerk with Portia. And all we wanted to watch was them twerking. So yeah, I, that was iconic. It was weird. Yeah, I mean <laughs> she tried. Kenya tried. Did she though? Definitely... I don't think she even tried. I think the the murder mystery should have been on like night two, not on the first night. Not on the first night. No. Um I think it's you know, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens in the next episode. The girls are still on this trip. And I think we're going to start to see Kenya's allegiances start to fall a little bit. Ooh, foreshadowing. Who do you think? Who do you think's gonna no longer be in her in her court? Well, I, th- I think we see in the preview that Kenya is unreasonable about something, and Candy is not having it because we know that Candy again is really supporting Kenya here. But the thing about Candy is that Candy Candy is fun. Candy is great fun up into a certain point. Candy does not toler- tolerate BS, and she doesn't care if it's from her best friend, her surface level friend or someone she's just met on the corner like she will not tolerate bs from kenya she's not going to tolerate it well to be seen to be seen should we take a little break let's take a break and we'll come back with real housewives of dallas All right, we're back and um, we're going to dig into episode five of the Dr. Tiffany Moon show um, (laughs) featuring the Real Housewives of Dallas. Um, I love it. Because this has just been another episode of Tiffany Moon and a bunch of extras, basically. Peripheral characters, if you will. Do you think so? I'm sorry, but like maybe I'm standing too hard. I don't know. Do the kids no, still I, say I think, standing? I don't think so. But I think keep standing. Like I, I want you to stand this hard. I am alongside with you. But I do think we had some other guest stars this week. Mm. Okay, I'm willing to hear you later on in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I definitely just. I just feel like I'm getting a lot out of Dr. Tiffany Moon and I'm enjoying this, the journey. Um, you know, like last week we got, um, we left us, it left us at Brandy's birthday party at the vineyard. And that's where we've picked it up again this week. And we're all at a lunch table. It's called and Grapevine. The area Grape- is called Grapevine, Texas. That's very Australian to actually name I something love it. so literally. <laughs> um, like we would do that here. Like I'm surprised our vineyard area isn't called Grapevine, but <laughs> I was personally offended by Cameron and Carrie's behavior towards Tiffany at this lunch. A hundred and ten percent. I agree with you. Like, first of all, I'm like, I hate that we have to talk about it every fucking week. But like, why are we still talking about the chicken feet? I'm done with it. Like, we've <laughs> all moved on. Like, Cameron needs to move on as well. But she's holding on to it. Well, she's also holding on to the, you called, You said I wasn't allowed to call Deandra COVID girl, and then you went and called Brandy COVID girl. That was a really bad impersonation. But yeah. she, she wants to have something. She wants to have something, right? And you know I love Cam. 
but she just needs to find something new. She needs to let it go. What did Sutton say last season? She with to Dorit. We're about letting it go. She had the mouse. Oh, she needs to let, let it something go. about the mouse. Let the mouse, let the mouse go, or something. I remember that. That was a really bizarre sentence Sutton said. But she needs to. Cameron needs to let it go. And what I didn't like was that Cameron started and then Carrie jumped on. And I don't like that behavior either. But what I loved was when Carrie was like, oh, like, I'm Mexican. English isn't my first language. And Tiffany was like, well, no shit. English isn't my first language that was, either. That was actually amazing, wasn't it? I was like... Carrie, like, you've said it because, and, like, you know, Tiffany said it as well. Like, obviously, she's said it with other women before. She's been able to get away with it because, you know, there was actually, you know, legitimacy to the statement. But when she comes for Tiffany for, like, saying that she's, like, you know, doesn't speak English as a first language, I was like, really, really, girl, like. Can I just say that Carrie is doing everything this season that she didn't like Leanne doing last season. Ooh, girl, yes. Because it's not just, it's not just like, basically, you know, Carrie was kind of, she, she when she has her back up against the wall, and this is the thing that we saw about Leanne, when she, when she exhibits bad behaviour, has her back up against a wall, she excuses it by going for the thing that is like the most shocking. So she tried to be like, okay, you're teasing me because what was the thing that she said? It was like Two-Face. They were calling Tiffany Two-Face and Tiffany was basically explaining that's not actually what Two-Face means. Two-Face is when you say one thing and then say another thing about somebody behind their back kind of thing, which I'm sorry, but like you should be correcting people on something that they're saying because it wasn't just uh, Carrie that was saying this. Cameron was saying it as well and Tiffany was just defending herself. And then to be like, well, English is my is is not my first language, so I, you know, I'm not supposed to know what that means. That that's not a plausible excuse in this scenario. And I was so glad that Tiffany said, well, that's that's not how it works, and you can't use that as an excuse. And she continued to call her out. But then as that fight continues, Carrie again goes for like the jugular in why her behavior should be excused because of what she's going through. <sighs> I just, you know what, Carrie, and because you just because you mentioned Leanne's name, you know what it is. It's one of those like times where pe- two people are so similar, yeah, that they like don't get along. And I think that was probably what this problem was that Carrie and Leanne were just like the same person, and that was just like too much in one small space. I think I think Carrie saw a version of herself in Leanne, and because. Obviously, Leanne is a little bit left of center. She didn't want to be associated with that. So I think it was easier for her to, to, I mean, Leanne did deserve to leave the show. I'm not going to excuse her bad behavior. But I think it really was, um, I, I think like Carrie was really happy, more than ha- happier that now Leanne was gone. Nobody could really compare the two of them together. But yeah, it's just, I, I just, Every episode so far, all I've seen from Carrie is just disgusting behavior and not fun disgusting. Okay, well, let's keep talking about Carrie then because... (laughs) For someone who we don't like, we have a lot to say about her. Well, 
But I, I think, like, we are gearing up to this being, like, a major storyline this season because I just think that, like, Carrie has, you know, it's taken her a bit of time to actually get a storyline and we're finally here and it's sort of about how her relationship with her children and, you know, that she sort of has been a bit, you know, I don't know, absent or like, you know, hasn't been like, you know, giving them the full attention that they probably deserved. I think there's also this other thing of her turning 50 and how her childhood wasn't great. And now she's sort of like, you know, in her childhood again. And that's why she acts out and behaves poorly. And that's the excuse for it. I, I don't really understand it, but sure. <laughs> and you did mention it like at this lunch, Carrie does go into this thing where she's like, you know, because everyone's trying to sort of like say, you know, well, you don't know what's going on in people's personal lives mm-hmm. and that's why they may act a certain way and that's why, you know, that's true. Like that's why you should give people grace, um, you know, when you interact with them and perhaps you don't get an interaction you're expecting because people have stuff going on and they act out in other ways. But Carrie just goes, yeah, it's because my daughter's suicidal and it's just sort of like, I think one, I felt bad for, I can't, I can't believe I'm about to say this sentence. I felt bad for Brandy because it's yeah. like, it's her birthday. And like one, Carrie's just taking the spotlight onto her, but two, also just like taking the tone of the lunch down like 12 notches. But it was kind of like one of those moments where it's sort of like, I don't know, looking for pity or like, you know. She was being a victim. Yeah, she wanted a victim mentality. She wanted sympathy because she wasn't winning the argument that she had started and she wanted people to rally around her. And, I mean, what is what she is going through with her daughter is horrific. But I want to talk about where there's another scene in the episode where she talks about it but not in the same way. Like she's weaponising her. She's, she's weaponising this situation to gain sympathy and that's exactly what she hated Leanne doing and that's exactly what she's doing oh totally and I I think we can see it even in this scene because you know Stephanie says like I knew that her daughter was struggling with depression with anxiety that she wasn't like you know enjoying you know living in Dallas whatever it is I didn't know that she was suicidal and it's sort of like one of those things where she's just taken it to a place where probably her daughter probably wouldn't feel comfortable with other people knowing, you know, what's going on in her life and her mental health, you know, it's a sensitive topic and she might not be ready for that to be out into the ether. But the other thing to remember is that Stephanie is someone who has also been suicidal and is, and has from day dot of the show has been so vulnerable, open and passionate about, you know, mental health and about, suicide prevention and about you know that that has that was Stephanie's storyline for a really long time so I can only imagine what that might have triggered in her and I can only imagine that she was also thinking okay you've told me half of this story but I could have really been somebody who could have helped you because I've been there um you mentioned that she does speak to her daughter and she speaks about it in a different way. Yeah, when she talks to her other daughter. So the daughter who is obviously having the mental health issues is Olivia, who I think is like her second eldest child. And then she's hanging out with 
Sophia. Um, Sophia. And can I just say, there is one other thing that Kerry's doing on this show that I'm going to give her props for, and I'll just mention it after. This is the one thing that I'm like, if I was a housewife and I had gorgeous children, because her children are ridiculously beautiful. Like, just sitting there with, like, barely any makeup, Sophia looks fucking stunning. Um, but when she goes to br- bring it up, you can see she's like, she doesn't tell the whole thing of what she said. She just says that she only tells a half truth. She doesn't share that she actually dropped the full bomb on, on her kids. And and my thing is that I want to believe that she did that genuinely because she didn't want to harm her child. But I'm so skeptical when it comes to Carrie that I'm like, she's she's changing her tune. And and that's a shame because you don't want to feel that way about someone, especially when they're going through something that's so fucked up and just so heartbreaking, you know? And yeah, she totally, well, I took it as she didn't mention the full mic drop because she knew that her daughter was going to be like, what the actual fuck? Yeah. Like, yeah, why would you done. do that to Olivia? Like, because you could even tell, like, Sophia like, didn't want to be a part of, like, a lot of that conversation. And I think she probably didn't want to be on camera. I'm sure she probably, you know, would feel comfortable talking to her mum about it at some point, but definitely not, like, on national TV, like, with a camera in her face. So this is this other side of Housewives. And I know a few weeks ago we spoke about how, like, awesome it is to watch a lot of the kids who've grown up on this show sort of grow up. But I think when you choose to have your children on the show, you need to be really specific about what it is about their journey that you're willing to share. And I think like, you know, Rinna has seen this kind of be good and also be bad. You know, we see what's what's going on with her, her kids um, on Beverly Hills. And I think, you know, I mean, COVID, they're all at home. There's not much else to do. I think if you want to use, you know, we talk, like we are talking before about like, using housewives to like build your brand or like market your brand. I think if, if your kids want to be like influencers or they want to, you know, like Noelle and, and do all that sort of stuff, then by all like Brooks as well, you know, getting Brooks's fashion label out there and things like that. I think as a parent, go for it. If this is a way for you to help your children make some coin in a Gen Z friendly way, I'm a hundred percent here for it. But I think don't, have them at the show just to drive uh, or to create a storyline for yourself. Like that's really selfish. I think it's really harmful and I think it causes a lot more harm than good. Um, I was going to say like Tamara's son, Ryan, a great example of somebody who just was like thrust into like this sort of fame hungry universe and had all of his, you know, he, all of the negative side of him was shown on the Real Housewives of the OC. Like we very rarely saw any positive things about him and you see how it's affected his life. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, like now you've said Tamara, I mean, her relationship with all her children, um, I don't think has been positively impacted by, you know, recording the show. The show. I think it's I mean, had negative consequences, unfortunately. Yeah, but for some, but th- this is why I think you know it's one of those things where you've got to be really specific about how your kids are going to be on the show. You know, like I, I said, Lisa Rinna before. Yes, her kids have also gotten a lot of backlash. I think Kyle's another one. They've had their kids on the show, but when they have their kids on the show, it's not to. 
I mean, Lisa did do it with the um, uh, eating disorder storyline, but at the same time, you know, they had a cause. They were kind of really trying to sell a narrative and her daughter was in on it. Like her daughter was 100% here for that conversation and then has also continued to use Housewives as a way to launch and springboard her modelling career. But to use your kids just to drive a narrative, just to have a storyline for yourself, oh, no. Nah. It's not gonna. It's not gonna end well. No, and unfortunately, the only victims here will be her children. Her children, yeah, it's gonna be horrible for them. Ugh. Well, do you have anything else to say about Carrie? Um, do I have anything else to say about Carrie? Well, I do want to talk about this. This continued her versus Deandra thing because uh. that is the other storyline that she's pushing. This whole thing that. Um, and then, and then I guess it came out that Deandra is possibly not as good a friend as she thinks she is, and that Deandra is somebody who is always wanting to kind of talk about herself, um, or like only talks about only talks to her friends in relation to how things are working for her. Um, and that was, I think. I liked the way Deandra handled that because when she found out about Carrie's daughter, she instantly was like, how can I have been with you all this time? Even though we're like frenemies at this point, how can I have spent all that time with you and never known about this? How can you have not wanted to be open to me? And I think Deandra took that criticism pretty well. Well, I mean, I just want to say, I think Deandra is a great friend. She knew exactly what kind of cake that Carrie wanted <laughs> for her By birthday. asking her daughter. By asking her daughter. I, what, what, what's wrong with that? Like, she could have just gone out and gotten a, like, you know, a New York cheesecake and Carrie could have hated it. But you know what she did? She <laughs> asked her daughter what the right cake. I mean, that's clearly a sign that she's a good friend. True. Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely. No, being, you're getting the right cake. But, you're getting the um, right cake. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, this whole Deandra Carey thing, like, yeah, look, to be honest, Deandra is definitely, I mean, I think to be on any of these shows, any of these franchises, you've got to have an ego, right? <laughs> 100%. And if you don't have an ego, you're actually a narcissist. Like, it's like it's one or the other, right? There's an element of that you have a certain personality type to be on this show. And Deandra is just one of those women that she's got a bit of an ego. The world revolves around Deandra. Um, You know, she is basically a single child. Um, You know, her mother is doted over her, has given her a business. Like, Deandra's never had a worry in her life. Like... I don't know. Like, is anyone surprised that when Deandra calls, she only wants to talk about herself? Like, no, definitely not. But I, I will say that when Deandra does talk about herself, it is very interesting. <laughs> right? Like, I, I agree. like she's not just she's not just giving you crumbs. She's always when she talks about herself, she's giving you some real tea. And you know what I think it is, and I want to actually, I found this to be a bit of a trope in uh, Salt Lake City as well. I think it's just one of these things that, like, that's just who Deandra is as a person, right? Yeah. She's going to be that friend that's just going to, like, tell you all of her problems, tell you everything. And I think that, like, Deandra, probably what she thinks is she doesn't, like, 
she doesn't ask you. I think she expects you just to be as open back to her. Yeah. Because that's how she rolls. Like she's yeah. just like, I share all of my life details with you. If I've got the sniffles, if I've got like a relationship problem, I'm going to tell you about it. And she if expects I've, the same if in If I've return. been a coke whore, like a coke addict. Right. I turned into Teresa just then. But, yeah, like the fact that she just casually dropped in her like teenage or 20 something coke habit and you know she was rich if she had a coke habit habit well i was gonna say this is one of the things i did want to discuss last week we did discuss captain brandy who was the head on the stick um, and you <laughs> oh, did mention it was a reference and you were like well she probably had a very interesting childhood and I like did. she definitely would have done some drugs and i want to know more and then i was like she's like dropped her like her coke addiction in her 20s i was like moshi you're right oh my god sometimes i'm gonna be really honest everything that we talk about on this podcast i forget about it as soon as we're done and so you're absolutely right i was a hundred percent on the money that i was like this chick has done some shit and she's seen some shit and i hope we get it and she delivered right so, yeah, look, I think at the end of the day, like, uh, Deandra is who she is and I, I don't see a problem with it. I mean, like, yeah, it's kind of shitty when your friends don't ask you how you are as well. But, like, she's Deandra Simmons. Like, I don't know what anyone wants from her. Um, so I liked this episode because I guess it was kind of like a, a cast trip of sorts. They had this whole area of grapevine to themselves, which meant that they could go a little bit crazy. And one of the things that they like to do is go drunk shopping. Um, And when they went drunk shopping, I was like, that's hilarious. Like they're just drunk in like little souvenir stores. But seeing Stephanie take what we later found out to be a cheese board and thinking that it was a paddle and then proceeding to spank all the girls. And I want to point out, Deandra took it. Deandra was loving it. Um, I don't think Deandra felt any of it. (laughs) But I just loved it that the guy was like, it's not a paddle, it's a cheese board, after she literally just spanked everybody in the shop. (laughs) And I think it was Cameron's Cameron's, um, confessional was like, I don't know if I'm going to be eating cheese next time I'm at Stephanie's house. Oh, I think Dr. Tiffany Moon said that as well. Oh, I think it was Dr. Tiffany Moon, actually. Sorry, it is the Dr. Tiffany Moon show. My bad. But um, that was was just something that happened. Like, I love those little levity bits. Like, those bits where it's like the drama subsides for a moment and they're just drunk women like bulls in a china shop and they're just buying everything and just being dicks and that was very fun i also really like the panty game yes what the actual fuck (laughs) yeah uh, (laughs) i mean do i expect anything less from brandy and stephanie no a hundred percent no but yeah the panty game that was just something else would we should play the panty game next time we have a get together? Just and yeah, we'll get out a group of friends. We've got to bring some jocks you've decorated, and then you've got to guess who decorated the jocks. Uh, just, 
What, like, what do they do with them? Do you reckon she wears them? She's afterwards? meant to wear them afterwards. Can we just say that we love Dr. Tiffany's one? Dr. Tiffany's one had like little pearls in a strategic position on that thong so that Brandy would have a good time every time she wore it. <laughs> that is that is girl code right there. That is girl code. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm just going to put it out there. I think Dr. Tiffany Moon's panties were the only ones that I would probably wear. Oh, 100%. You'd be wearing them. You'd be, you're, I feel like you're probably wearing them right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, two other fun facts about Dr. Tiffany Moon that I learned in this episode in the, the, the Dr. Tiffany Moon show. Um, one was that she was a figure skater. That does not surprise me. Insane. Uh, but when would she have had the time? She's Dookie Hauser. She's on MD at 23. When was she figure skating? Uh, tiger mums. This is what they do. Okay. You pack the schedule. You pack the schedule so your child literally never has a chance to, like, be naughty. Like, how is she meant to be naughty if she's got to do her homework, go to ice skating, <laughs> like, learn English, learn Chinese? Like, no, she just doesn't have time to do anything else. And the other fun fact that she dropped that, like, everybody was like, what the actual fuck, is when she was talking, obviously, about being in med school and, like, being around cadavers and um, just bodies and talking about just casually eating pad thai over a dead body because when you're hungry, you got to eat. And so my question to you, Patrizio, is would you eat pad thai over a dead body? Yes. I Like, I didn't even have to think. Yes, I would. Like... Girls got to eat. Like, I 100% agree with her. I understand it. Like, why not? Just don't and, drop any in. And lastly, what did you think of Brandy, who I will say I'm loving her having, like, a bit of a backseat role in yeah. Housewives. I'm actually enjoying her not having the opportunities to be full, like, to, to get into toxic fights. Like, I'm quite happy for the other girls to do this because I think we're finally starting to see the side of Brandy that I like. Like, when she was teaching the girls how to twerk. Amazing. Because we all forget that she was a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader. Oh, my God. That whole scene was just such a mess. I don't think I could got, watch. I think I was, like, like watching Bermuda. Like... She's, like, got Bermuda, her mum Bermuda shorts. Her daughter's, like fanny pack bum bag and like a, like she looked like a real mum and she's just up on this table teaching these girls how to twerk with like not much booty it was hilarious uh, yeah I do like her taking a backseat role if she could just take a backseat role in a, <laughs> the back of a bus I knew you were gonna say that that is just like not just on the way in the back <laughs> keep going keep keep going you know you're not far enough yet Keep going. Like, we wanted to be in a whole other state. I wanted to get on the wrong bus. <laughs> you know what? I'm sure your dreams will come true. <laughs> I, but, um, I mean. Well, I want to I just discuss um, the end of the episode and Dr. Tiffany Moon discussing, you know, how her work-life balance and yeah. how much she is struggling and, you know, I think, like, we've discussed that this is going to be, like, clearly a bit of a storyline for her. But um, today, like, she came out in an interview and was saying that um, she doesn't think that she'll be back for another season of Dallas. Like, she has such a hectic work schedule and she was really struggling to balance everything while filming. And obviously while filming, like, 
you know, there were lockdowns and pandemic and it was a lot less going on than it is now. So she was able to be a bit more of a participant um, and she might just be a one hit wonder. Well, I want to go back to this whole thing of like branding and like setting yourself up in a certain way. I think that this, I think you're right that all we've done though through Dallas is that it is a vehicle for us to be introduced to the Dr. Tiffany Moon show. I think she's definitely someone who will have her own show if she wants her own show. She is so popular on TikTok already. She does these really great TikToks. So she does like her trope is like the, I'm saying trope because you said it earlier and I'm like, we're saying trope now on this podcast. Um, but her trope is she does the, like the Asian mum stereotypes and she does all these other funny little skits and she's very popular. So I think in terms of like, so number one, she doesn't need the money, right? No. So she doesn't need the money. Number two, um, she, 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 she just needs to do something that makes her happy. And I think being on the show is probably causing her a lot more stress than it is. And to be honest, she came on the show as a favour. You know, they needed somebody to 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 say they needed someone to forgive Brandy, number one. Oh. Like, let's be honest, she came on the show very specifically. She's she was the diversity hire, but she's also fucking amazing. And that's the bonus. The bonus that we got is that she is brilliant. And I think she's she's not so much a one hit wonder, but she's like baby basically Bob the Builder. She fixed it. And now she can leave. Like she's, she's, um, oh my God, what's that? What's that movie? Nanny McPhee. Okay. <laughs> she is the nanny. Have you, you've never watched Nanny McPhee with Emma Thompson? No. Oh my God. There is Nanny McPhee one, Nanny McPhee two. This is not obviously reality TV or housewives adjacent, but like, <laughs> at <it> all. Is. <laughs> like, I, maybe I'll spend the week trying to do some sort of six degrees of separation to the real housewives and Nanny McPhee. I'm sure it exists. But um, she's basically the Nanny McPhee. Like, she came in, you know, Mary Poppins, she came in, she fixed the thing, and she's leaving. Like, why not? You know what? Um, I think one thing that we've learned about Tiffany Moon is that she has always excelled. She's gone above and beyond. She has done things that we didn't think was possible. Um, You know, it is not possible to be made a saint uh, while you're still alive. But... If she came on, <laughs> if she came on as a favor, wow, to he's... fix the mess and to forgive Brandy, he said, You cannot be made a saint while you're still alive. But I think Tiffany Moon will be the first because I swear, I don't. Sainthood. That's I don't see any other option if that's actually what the favor was. So, like your level of standing. Oh God, sorry about that. Your level of standing is so beyond. You're literally at a point of worship now. You, you understand know, that those candles that you can get people's faces on. Yes, we talk to a prayer Moon. candle. Yes. Okay, I will. I will find you one for your birthday. But like, wow, wow. I'm. I'm just. I knew you loved her. But I did not realise that you were, like, getting your prayer beads out. Like, you were ready to get on your knees. You were ready to light a candle. You were ready to sing, like, a prayer at at her on a diocese. Like, her in some sort of shrine. 
Oh, Dr. Tiffany Moon could have spanked me with that shakuri board. Like, <laughs> and I would have taken it. And now we're calling it what it is, a shakuri board. <laughs> she could have spanked me with that shakuri board. I love that. I have nothing more to say about um, this week's episode of the Dr. Tiffany Moon show. Um, I think I need a break just to go calm down and... And light a candle and prayer and do all the things that you do at the shrine. Um, and then I will come back with uh, Real Housewives Salt Lake City finale. The finale. And we're back. Let's talk Salt Lake City finale. Wow. What a journey it has been. Like- I... I just, I think we've had some real highs and some real low lows. Like we were skiing in Park City. Is that a bad analogy? I tried. I tried to do you and I just failed. Um, you know, have we had really low lows? I felt like I was sold a story before this <laughs> show premiered that there was going to be a housewife that would slash someone else's tires. And it just never happened. Unless I think it might have, but it was on the cutting room floor. <sighs> Maybe we get to see it at the reunion. Who knows? But, um, you know, this was definitely the culmination of a few things uh, in this finale episode. We saw the end of a few storylines, and I feel like we also had a lot of cliffhangers. Um, I just want to begin... Yes. I was going to say, I just want to tell you what my favorite part of the beginning of this episode was. Oh, I, what was I, it? So, if you know, I on, love, you know. Was, is it about Lisa Barlow? Because I don't want to hear it. No, <laughs> it's not just, it's not just about Lisa Barlow. You claim that you hate Lisa Barlow, but what the people don't know is you're constantly sending me Lisa Barlow memes mm. because you love her and she is your kindred spirit. You guys are twin flames. Oh, I love but, that. <laughs> <laughs> look at you, you've cracked yourself up. Um. What I loved was that, you know, they often at the beginning of an episode of any sort of reality show, they'll, like, give you little vignettes, little snippets of, like, each person, each character in the show. But what they did with this episode is on everybody's one. Like, somebody, like, I think it was, like, Heather was, like, just going to get, like, a, like water out of her fridge and they put across her that voiceover of, like, her and Jen arguing and they had, like, the black and white flashback. Like, they just made... Every little, like, meaningless thing that people were just doing that's just, like, their day-to-day functioning. And then they, like, overdubbed it with just this shit with Jen and how Jen is the villain. And then, like, the black and white recap of um, Las Vegas. And I was like, wow. They are just... Sometimes when somebody gets a villain edit, it's, like, subtle. (laughs) And I was just like, they don't even care at this point. They are, like we're going to make her the monster. And when it came to her one, she was like in no makeup, just having in her, in her robe, just making a cup of tea. And they like sh- made it that scene where Heather was like, it's you. <laughs> I was like, this is so shady, but I loved it. Also the fact that the episode was like an hour and a half. Well, that's ads. what I want to say that like, I don't know. It was 90 minutes, but I feel like they could have put, like, that first 10 minutes of bullshit oh, on the cutting room it. floor. No, not at yeah, all. Yeah, we didn't like, need so much of that. There was, like, a recap of the whole season. Then there was a recap of the last episode. Then there was, like, a recap of the last five minutes. Like, no, not interested. 
Um, I, that was forgettable for me. I actually forgot about it until you just mentioned it and it really <laughs> triggered me. <laughs> I would have forgotten about it too, but it was one thing that I noted because I was like, you know what it is about Real Housewives of Salt Lake City? It feels like almost like a satire of the housewives, right? Don't you think? It's like we definitely got some authentic moments, but these women are all such specific characters. Like they're just, they fit too easily into the moulds that women before them went to great lengths to to cultivate and create that when it came to like the finale as well and just the way it was edited and everything like just in those flashbacks they even managed to give Mary one and Mary <laughs> halfway through the season didn't even shoot with anyone like it Mary phoned in out. half this season like, <laughs> how <laughs> she got anything out is the surprising like how they even got her to attend the event in this last episode, iconic. But um, I just want to say, like, for me, like, all of these women, they're so different but fit, like, really specific housewives' moulds that typically we've seen cultivated, I think, a little bit more organically. I think it goes without saying that this cast was very put together. It was very strategic And I think up until this last episode, I've been a bit naive about that. Like, I'm willing to say that I was like, oh, this is so genuine. This is fabulous. Like, from the beginning. But watching the way this episode was edited specifically to me, I was like, ah, this is fucking bullshit. (laughs) This is a bit of a con. So that kind of makes me a bit sad. Let's get into it, Moshi, because I want to talk... I want to talk about the Amber Alert that was lifted this week. <laughs> um, Mary M. Cosby, um, I don't know whether she was in like 14-day quarantine and that's why she was in her closet for so long or like somebody let her out of the house. I don't really know, but like she actually left her house this week. Like She it- did. We got I- a lot of Mary scenes this week out of the house. I, I mean, know. Too. So I definitely feel like the last couple of weeks, her her literally phoning it in, um, I think that was all obviously shot a lot later. They were definitely not like phone calls the next day after events that had happened. I think yeah. it was a series of FaceTime calls that the ladies were forced to make yeah. to Mary M. Cosby to include her in the show moving forward, um, which was why it was refreshing to see her like actually out out into society interacting with people but I then did see her interact with people and I was like maybe there's a good reason for her to be in her closet do you want to just talk about Mary because I'm happy to just talk about (laughs) I I want to talk about Mary a lot um the congregation is the first (gasps) red flag for me did Um, you know that she was a choir master I don't think she is a choir master trying to teach them how to sing the songs and I don't know what she was saying to like I'm just looking at my notes that I wrote I didn't realize I wrote so much but I wrote a thesis about Mary in this episode um but yeah I my favorite note that I have because I was so proud of myself I was like is Mary sister Mary Clarence no (laughs) that's a sister act reference do you not get that why are you not laughing (laughs) 
<laughs> Got it. I'm not laughing because, like, I don't know. I'm, it wasn't funny. Just, it wasn't I'm funny. Still, it's fine. No, I'm reckoning with Mary M. Cosby. <laughs> just as being... the choir leader, choir master. <laughs> well, I mean, trying to teach these women to sing, these, this group of people to sing, and throwing complete shade at them, telling one guy that, where did she tell that guy in the back where he was? She's like, I don't know where you are. Are you out in the car park? Where are you? It's like, you're right. I was somewhere else. And when she told Joy, I think it was Joy, one of the women, she's like, oh, Joy, you can't see. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm still stuck on the fact that she saw, like, one of the guys in the band and was like, you, like, basically called him fat and said, like, yes! he needs to lose weight. <laughs> and so horrible. To the person next to him and was like, oh, but you're looking healthy. You drinking water? Like, water. What? Oh, my God. The way she walked through every single bad person, like, okay, you're looking healthy. You're doing this. You're doing. I was like, this woman is insane. And you know what? They have signed up for her insanity. Well, I wanted to say that. I actually think, and like Miriam Cosby like don't write me don't like don't speak to my lawyers I think she's running a cult like it gave me cult vibes they were like very very excited to see Miriam Cosby and she treated them so poorly that I really don't understand their adoration I would 100% go to Mary's church I want to see Mary M. Cosby I I it's not because I think like she's a cult leader but I am I just think it's so funny. I think the way they just laugh her off, I don't think any of them are taking her remotely seriously. Um, the uh, Were you going to talk about when she was walking through her church and there was the picture on the wall? Sorry, I am dying to think about this. Sorry. And, it just, and the caption said, it was like her grandmother's name and Jesus. <laughs> Sorry, if you have not watched this episode, you do not need to watch any episodes of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City except for this one and just the scenes with Maryam Cosby in them. But the fact that they literally said this is a picture of Rosemary M. Cosby and Jesus and it got a title card. Like, I don't know. I Yeah, you just saw my face. I, I don't, that was up there with, drew signing the autograph for me it was just so unexpected and so delightful and so funny but then you know that like they take it really seriously it was insane (laughs) I'm sorry it was so unprofessional but I think we were just so excited to see her out of her closet out in the wild just doing merry things just marry things and like I just I wonder I I have to sit here and wonder what this season could have been if Mary M. Cosby like had done a full like season worth of filming like oh 100% we missed so much like and this is why she needs a second season just to give us the content that we've missed out on this season like you can tell like she would have brought it like you know what I think is interesting I think Mary gives off this like vibe to me like when you call Mary and you ask her like you know uh, Jen treated me really poorly and, you know, I don't really understand what to do. And Mary, I think, kind of, like, 
I don't want to say she gaslights, but I think she kind of, you know, definitely shares her opinion about how she feels about Jen Ryan. She's like, oh, like, Jen's like crazy. Like, how can you deal with crazy? You know, blah, blah, blah. And then these women go like armed with what Mary said and like confront each other. And Mary's just like, mm, I wouldn't have done that if I was there. <laughs> like, <I> just, like, <laughs> she throws she, them this ammunition yes. and then she's just like, but why would you say that to someone I don't really know? <laughs> it was like, exactly. I think you're absolutely right. And I, but I love that. I think we said this, I think maybe it was like last week or the week before. One of the best things about Mary, as much as like we want to see more of her, the thing about Mary is that, and there is something about Mary, is that she doesn't need to be in all of the scenes to make an impact. Like the fact that she can just cause so much like the fact that like her her name being mentioned sets Jen off so much and then she just sits at home and she's like, oh, well, you know, I told you. <laughs> I don't know. This episode, when I saw her just leaving her house, seeing her in two other locations that weren't her closet, it was so exciting. It was exhilarating. It was <laughs> thrilling. Uh, yeah, I mean, look... I think she's had an interesting season. I think, like, she has definitely been a catalyst. She's been, like, a topic of conversation. She's never had to be in the room to keep, like, the storyline moving, which is either, like, amazing skills by the production company or just, like, Miriam Cosby's, like, amazingness on her own. Um, yeah. I will say the only thing that I was disappointed with was that there was no interaction between Jen and Mary at the finale party. I was left wanting an apology from Jen to Mary, given the fact that Jen was like passing them out like party favors. Thank you. She was uh, on the apology tour. Yeah, she was. And so it was sort of like, well, why aren't we like apologizing to Mary? And I think like, again, this is just going to be like one of those things of like, well, if no one thought Mary was a full-time housewife, I don't think Jen is the kind of girl that would have given her any, you know, care to talk to her or interact or engage knowing that she wasn't a full-time housewife. And that's probably, why we missed that apology um i feel like i'm really excited for the reunion because i think like finally we'll get a lot of closure on a lot of these like merry notes um and i actually have a feeling that like mary and jen might actually be in an okay place because i feel like jen's just like not in a good place with a lot of other people (laughs) well i think she watched herself back and I think she realised that a a lot of the hatred that she had towards Mary and whatever storyline it was that she was trying to create, it backfired and it it really wasn't that interesting after Hospital Smell. Like, it wasn't anything beyond that. So she really didn't have any reason to stay mad. Yes, totally. You know, it's it's not a finale episode without one huge last event that the whole season has kind of been talking about and for salt lake city it is heather finally blossoming blossoming in full bloom some would even say in that amazing pink outfit um and it's the re the relaunch of beauty lab her cosmetic business um and they're like in a new thing and she's having the huge launch party 
So I just want to set the scene. And that Mary M. Cosby like shows up, which to everyone's shock. <laughs> and Heather is showing her, you know, like the serviettes. The it's like swag. There was like a lot of swag, like bottles and things like that. Yeah, but there was it was also written on like the bottles. Like she had like a lot of like oh. the brand and thing of the like because the the serviettes were ironic because it said messy AF, but like you clean yourself with the serviette. Do you know what I mean? And then uh, the drink said thirsty AF. Like there was a whole there was a whole thing. Keen eye, mate. Keen eye. Oh, I thought they had different things on them, and then you could no. choose the the napkin that like that suited you. No, everything was like literal, like it was like a little irony sort of thing at like what the product does. And then it had AF. What does AF even stand for, Patrizio? Well, that's Mary M. Cosby's question. <laughs> when Mary asked Heather, what is AF? Is that after the fact? And Heather said, yes, yes, that is correct. It is after the fact. Dead. I was dead. I just... <laughs> I don't know how she copes out in civilization. I have a lot of questions. <laughs> She's a first lady. She's not supposed to know what AF means, okay? I, I don't even think she knows what a lot of stuff means. <laughs> it was so beautiful. <laughs> if there way. is one person who I think is authentic on this show, right, there are two people, Heather and Mary, I think they are the most authentic people on this show. Yes, I will agree with you on Mary. Um, I guess for me, this finale was really an exploration of <laughs> how the relationships between the women had changed from the start yep. to the end. And I feel yep. like there were some unexpected changes in those relationships that like I don't think we would have expected to see <sighs> I love that it, you called it an exploration though you've said trope now we're heading into an exploration I'm here for this scholarly journey well I mean that's what this whole thing is isn't it but that's another podcast for another day but I just thought that it was interesting to see the like the alliances shift and you know I think after the Las Vegas trip I think there's definitely a lot that has changed and you know I think like for example like Lisa and Meredith I don't think Mm. they are as close as what they thought they were I think that's definitely on like Lisa's end I mean like Lisa and Jen like uh (laughs) Last episode, Lisa was like denouncing that she would ever be friends with Jen ever again. But obviously, there's something that we don't see that Jen is like so upset that Lisa pities her more or less um, and wants to, you know, support Jen through whatever she's going through. I mean, I think, you know, the thing about Lisa that I find. Like, you know that I've been a champion of Lisa Barlow from at least mm-hmm. halfway through the season. She's, she's grown on me. But I think her conviction is really interesting. And this is where, like, in the moment, she, she also says some things that are, like, really intense. And then she goes away and then she, like, I don't know, she obviously meditates on it. 
or she does some, you know, she she's reflective, right? Because her whole thing is like, she says that she puts herself in Jen shoes. She puts herself in the position of like, if she was someone who had perhaps said a few things that just didn't go the way that she had intended them to go, she would hope that somebody would, would give her a second chance or a third chance or would be more lenient. And so she's trying to come from this, this place where, and and it, it's not going to cost, and I think she's right though, because it's not going to cost her anything. At the end of the day, she says to Meredith, she's not trying to be best friends with Jen. Like, that's not what it's about, but she's just like, also like, I don't need to have enemies. I don't need to have, be hating someone. I don't need to ostracize someone. Like, she's just like, I just don't need to do that. So I'm not going to. I and and she didn't, she, Jen didn't really come for Lisa in the same way she came for the other women. So No, not at all. Well, not not that we saw on camera not, anyway. Not that we saw on camera, yeah. Here's another big word for you, Moshi. Oh, shit. I just want to juxtapose that. Oh, fuck off. That's not big. <laughs> I just want to juxtapose that with Heather and Jen, where I feel like Lisa is like, I just want to give her another chance. Like, you know, I would, like, if I was in her shoes, that's what I would want. Whereas Heather comes to this realisation of, like, I'm, like, trying too hard with this relationship. And, like, you know, if my daughters had a relationship with one of their friends like this, I would be, like, ditch them. Like, they're no good for you. I'd be like, like, she's not your friend. No, right? So I think it's so interesting to see, like, the difference. of like They've kind of, like, done this, like, like I don't know. Like, what's that? Freaky Friday. Like, there's, like, swap yeah. bodies or something. Um, and- so do you want a real juxtaposition? Because that wasn't really one. Let me give you a real juxtaposition. Oh the real juxta- juxtaposition for me that was in this episode was seeing Heather and Meredith get together and them bonding over their shared experience of being at the hands of Jen Shah. <laughs> I don't think for the whole season we have ever seen Meredith and Heather together where it's not a group situation. And I that threw me. I was like... Are we like they're they're actively going out to meet each other somewhere and do something together? I was like, okay, they're they've got this shared trauma. They're bonding over over Jen, but I thought to me that that was the real ju- my dog again is just making a lot of noise back here. But that was like that was a real juxtaposition because that was a real switch from the dynamics that we're used to seeing which are Jen and Heather Lisa and Meredith we've gotten a whole new buddy comedy now that we've we've not seen throughout the whole series well I mean I want to like add to that and say like Meredith and Whitney embraced each other at that party like they were like bosom buddies I was like you two like don't have a relationship with one another and like the greeting was just so warm and friendly I was very confused by it wow Um, can I just add to your confusion? And this is like going into the future, but we all know that when reunions happen, the seating is so important. Yes. And and one of the things that I have seen is that the seating looks to be like Heather, Meredith and Whitney on one side with Lisa, Jen and Mary on the other. And that is not an all how I would have thought the seating would have gone. No, I think that there's so many changes. And, you know, the other part is that obviously, like, this wrapped in, like, 
February like 2020. Yeah. Like the reunion was filmed like a month ago, maybe. Yeah. Like, you know, and I think probably like lockdown and like a pandemic teaches a lot of people things about relationships as well. So I think there's a lot to be seen next week. Um, you know, like with Jen and Heather, I wanted to talk about love languages. Because <laughs> I have very different ones. Yeah. And I think that's like, that's the problem here that like this whole argument that they had, which I felt was not resolved at all. Not resolved at all. It was, it was swept under the rug because yeah. of lip gloss. And like, that's fine if that's how they want to run things. But, you know, Jen's on this apology to her. She's just like, you know, she's being the Michelle Obama for the night. She's just going to be nice, go high, speak to everyone, make an apology. And whether she's like genuine about it or not, you know, sometimes an apology is just like needed and it needs to be said. And like, you know, so you can have some sort of like, you know, point where you can move on with things. But, you know, what became apparent between Heather and Jen was like, that it was just this, like, mismatch between of, like, what you need from people, like, what you need out of a friendship, and they just couldn't hear each other because I think Jen's love language is that, like, she just needs you to be, like, the ride or die. She needs you to be, like, in it. And for her, like, involving you in her life is her way of, like, you know, showing her her love for you. Whereas Heather wants to hear it. Heather wants yeah. you to say it to her. Yeah. And Jen was like, but I've like, you know, set up these like shopping trips for you. I've done this. I've done that. Like, how does that not show you that I'm on your side? Whereas Heather just really wants Jen to be like, I'm on your side. <laughs> well, she, yeah, she wants her to say, I've got your back. I'm right or die. Um, I thought it was interesting that Jen admitted at least that at that last powwow in Las Vegas when she had thrown Heather under the bus by saying that she doesn't trust Heather at least she admitted that she did that out of spite and that she's petty but the thing for me that frustrated me about this whole apology tour is that Jen repeatedly said that she didn't know what she was apologizing for she was just being up she was just apologizing but she literally could have started with saying I'm sorry for being petty at that event like do you know what I mean like that that's something that she knows that she did and that she knows was wrong like she could have said that um she could have said um I'm sorry for the I'm sorry and I take accountability for my actions instead Jen you know she just constantly deflects this is the biggest issue is that she's not holding herself accountable for the way she behaves she keeps telling people you know, when she said, when she said to Lisa in this episode, but that's just my culture, that's just how we talk. I was like, that is bullshit. You know, the one thing that, the one sort of thing that we all need to learn in life is that the only thing that we can control is our own reactions and our own behavior. And we know when something is the right way to act and we know when something is the wrong way to act. Do not blame this on your culture. Do not blame this on being a minority growing up in Salt Lake City because there are thousands of people who act ex- who have the similar lifestyle as you and they don't they do not behave that way chalk it up to being somebody who just is aggro talk it chalk it up to being somebody who is a who has um some anger management issues and and say that you're going to work on it like acknowledge those things she just continues to 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 not want to acknowledge them that's the thing that I just don't understand like 
Patricia, it's like if I slapped you, and this is why I think she's gaslighting everybody else. If I slapped you and then I said, oh, but, you know, that's just part of my culture. It's just what we do. Like, that's not how it works. <sighs> um. I don't know. I felt like a lot of empathy for Jen in this episode. No. I was like, you're, kind of like you're a weirdo. Side. What are you on her side about? I think she's like, I think she's making the right steps towards something. What are the steps? Tell me, because I've missed them then. Tell me when she talks about what the steps are. Look, like, okay, she doesn't she doesn't understand why she's apologizing to everyone, but I think she recognizes the need to apologize. And I think that's like the first step, right? Can I tell you something? If you think that that's the first step, honey, no. <laughs> I I I did I look, I will give you that I like the fact that she said I don't understand, but it goes back to what you were saying in the beginning is that she's not listening. People are telling her and she's she's choosing to not listen, Patrizio. That's the thing that I don't like is that she's just choosing to not acknowledge certain things. I think she can 100% see them, but I think she's just ignoring them. And that's where I'm just like, no, we need growth. So, I'm, mm. I mean, I'm willing to give her another chance. I haven't ruled her out. I'm not cancelling Mary. I mean, cancelling Freudian slip. I'm not cancelling Jen, but my biggest issue with Jen is that she doesn't take actual accountability. Everything that she does is just to to not have to face it. Well, I mean, look, you're going to give her a second chance. I don't know if Bravo will. Um, oh, of course they will. Of course they will. Uh, I don't know. I think to be seen, like, in the reunion, her behaviour, I, I think... If you don't think she's been like got any accountability in this like last thirteen episodes, I don't think she's gonna find it during the reunion. Um, she's had some time to like marinate on it, but like I really don't think that she's gonna. Yeah, then tell me how you're empathetic for her. I think she's just been through a lot, and I think like who hasn't? I'm not doing this victim stuff. No, no, no. everyone's been through a lot. Mary married her fucking grandfather. Okay. Oh, she loves him. Uh, look, I, I don't know. I think Jen is misunderstood, I think. I think no. she misunderstands no. herself. No. Oh, my God, Patrizia, you are falling for it. Oh, my God. You know what cult you're part of? You're part of the Shah Squad. That is what I'm serious. Are you the, are you the new eighth assistant that's been hired? No, I'm not the You're going to come assistant. out and tell me that you're Shah Squad. All I'm hearing is Shah Squad right now. I don't know. There's just, she has been on my nerves, but something about in this episode, I think like, maybe it's it's just because I'm the kind of girl that makes apologies without actually meaning anything (laughs) behind them. I don't know. (laughs) Okay. So you find your, your, your bonding over mutual toxicity. Okay. (laughs) I, I look, I subscribe to the Michelle Obama approach. Just like you got to go high and make some apologies. And if you don't mean it, it doesn't matter. Okay. So I just want to say that that is not the Michelle Obama. If, <laughs> it's the Michelle Obama that, the way The way theory. you just pushed my button. The way this one little saying that she's made 
has like gone askew. I don't think people are realizing the whole context <laughs> of this discussion of where this when they go high, when they go low, we go high comment came from. Okay. Please stop saying it. Please <laughs> stop saying it. Please stop perpetuating these myths. Okay. Stop it. But look, I'm I'm all for an apology that has absolutely no meaning behind it. Sometimes it just needs to be done. Like, right. me I mean, I agree on. with you on that regards, but I I don't think that I I don't have any empathy for Mary in this episode. You keep um, calling I keep her Mary. Mary, and it's meant to be Jen. <laughs> God, what's going on? There's something bizarre happening there. Um, can we end on a high talking about this episode? And that how that high for me is Heather. Oh, I was like waiting for you to be like Lisa Barlow and her kids bloody no! like fake bullshit. Oh, one quick thing that I love because we're only going to skim over Meredith is um, I love that she was like, maybe I can just make this tuxedo just a tuxedo, the, 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 the jacket just a dress and like proceeds to just take her pants off right there and, and Brooks is like so embarrassed. Fucking loved it. I love her and Seth. I think he's kind of hot and I definitely have the hots for him. I think he's great. <laughs> but um, Billy supporting Heather. At this launch. Oh, poor Billy. He is like, does not belong there at all. Do you think he's ill? He doesn't, like, I feel like Mary would walk past him and say, you need to drink some water. (laughs) (laughs) The way that I did it, Mary M. Cosby eyes, like when you asked, is he ill? (laughs) I mean, now, now we said it. Okay. No, but he looks like he might be unhealthy. Like he might be either recovering from something or he has gone through something. Um, it actually endeared me to him. It endears me to, to him because he is kind of like this nerdy guy compared to like Heather's kind of coolness. And I see that he is trying and I see that he genuinely is happy for her business he gets it he doesn't have to get it he gets now that they're divorced like whatever she does doesn't have to make sense to him and that's not his role his role now is just to you know co-parent and to not bring her down i thought he was so out of place um i think that i don't even he wore a pink shirt though i don't even understand how they were together like Heather to me, like she has been like such a like a, I'm gonna say just like a homegirl this whole like series. Hundred like, percent. I just don't see it. I just don't see the two of them. Like I actually like she would have been so unhappy. Like I'm just really happy for her that she finally can like live like her true authentic true. self because with that guy, oh like no no it's not okay think... even the daughters like the daughters are like very good looking like dressed to the nines in this episode like dad's just like i don't know billy's like... just a dag he's just a dag and that's okay there are some people in this world who have to be the dags okay not everyone can be shiny like heather but it's just a weird like combination which is why it didn't work like we get it like we when we see them physically we're like okay we understand why this marriage didn't work but that to me doesn't negate the fact that he still showed up yeah i mean i don't know i think it's like a weird thing like why would you invite your ex-husband 
because because it's a Mormon thing because it's that thing of them what he's doing so I I mean I just think that any people who have three children who you can show up for your ex and just be a supportive person like why not your kids deserve to see stuff like that they do deserve to see that just because your parents are divorced they don't have to be at each other's throats they can actually just like support each other he just needs to see why well and that's you know what that's her choice not his but yes i think like if uh, this episode was anything it was definitely a celebration of like her success yes our queen god it was divisive because i think we hate each other now who you and i <laughs> yes. well i mean we'll see what happens at the reunion because if jen's still fighting with heather then yeah like this, this podcast is in i'm trouble. just waiting i'm just waiting for you to give me my apology later <laughs> This week, where you just apologize for the sake of apologizing, <laughs> and you'll be like, "But why are you apologizing?" And I'll be why like, "Why are you apologizing for just here? I why have... are you apologizing?" Because I have things to work on. <laughs> oh, oh, oh! Disgusting. You know what? She didn't even say that. She didn't even say that. She could have said that, and I would have been okay with it. No, I think she did say that at some point. But anyway, let's stop beating a dead horse. <laughs> such a random phrase i love it moshi next week uh we're gonna do the salt lake city reunions as bonus episodes we're gonna devote our time our energy and our standing for Miriam cosby to their own episodes and then in our regular episodes we're gonna like talk atlanta and dallas and you know new jersey is just around the corner as well just around the corner As usual, thank you so much for listening if you've made it this far because, like, this whole bit that we've talked about, Salt Lake City, it's its own whole episode. Um, But please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Please follow us on Instagram at the lower level pod. Rate, review, subscribe. Rate, review, subscribe. I'm trying to, like, subliminally get that into people's brains that they do it. You know. um... Give us five stars. Just do it. Do it. Well, Moshi, I have to go rate, review, and subscribe something. And work um, on your apology for me, 100%. <laughs> yes. <laughs> As always, it's been an absolute pleasure and joy to do this with you. Miriam no Cosby eyes. <laughs> I didn't roll my eyes at all. I, be- no. I That was authentic. I no, meant that. I was doing no- eyes. Oh, yeah, you would be. There's nobody else in the world I would rather fight over a Housewives episode with than you. So there you go. Well, can't wait to do it all again next week. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Rate, review, subscribe. <laughs>